you just stepped in to the First Issue Club podcast. You know, there's a lot of number ones that come out each and every week, and this podcast right here, it's in our name. We cover the best, the most notable, the most reader-friendly number ones each and every week, and we love to do it with you. This week, we are covering Post Americana on Image and King in Black, the Immortal Hulk number one. I guess it's like a tie-in. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's a number one for sure, because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be on the show. It's important to say the number of the comic book that we're covering so we know whether or not it's covered in this podcast. There are a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of comic book podcasts. We are the only one covering number ones each and every week. We put our checkpoint in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a small list of criteria that each comic book has to meet. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time here, we do news right now, and then we get to the books. It's it's such a fucking fun experience that some people have had to go do like heroin or something after they listen to this to slow themselves down. They just get too hyped on life. The format's infallible here. <laughs> We're the ultimate high. We 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 did a doozy of news last week. I'm still like coming down from the high of all the news stuff that we were doing last week. Greg, what what's in comic book news this week? Uh actually quite a bit. Um, I won't even get into the fact that Marvel got me to watch an entire investors meeting to see trailers and movie news. Uh, other podcasts have covered that in extensive uh, format, so we're just going to skip on over it. Literally the guy, the gas station attendant, the guy that fills up my gas when I go to the gas station. Sure, yeah. He was like, did you hear about the investors meeting of Disney? That's how common this was. Covered. And you said, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm a king. I said, first of all, I said, you know, I I drive here specifically because this is the only place in town where I get my gas filled. This is a new little thing I just learned about you. Someone else puts gas in your car. In this one area, yeah. It's a Sinclair. Ooh, oh, okay, so Sinclairs are known for that. They're like the last people that do that. Mm -hmm. Except on the East Coast, like, everyone does it. Yeah, legally in New Jersey. Legally? In New Jersey. Yeah, that's so strange. specifically Mm -hmm. New Jersey, not the East Coast. Okay. It's a law. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want people here. No, to, I appreciate that. I wouldn't want them to think that they were, you know, yeah, somewhere else on the East our Coast. Es- our East Coast fan base is probably screaming at us. Just slap your hand if you do try the to do it. The only place I go on the East Coast is New Jersey. <laughs> Nowhere else. That's why I love that. You love Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You love Italian things. New Jersey's where it's at. We love yeah. our friend Doug in New Jersey. What's up? Oh, Doug, what's going on? Comic book Doug. Jersey. Uh, so, yeah, we all got conned by Marvel. Uh, but other news, I'm going to hit you with some stuff. Maybe you know about it. Maybe you don't. Um, and I want your honest reactions. Um, first up, Silk, the Comic book from Marvel is coming back in March. Uh-huh. Due to COVID, it was pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. We thought it was uh, indefinitely not coming out. It was announced today, the 16th, that it's coming out in March. So that's awesome. It's also announced that Daniel Warren Johnson, who did Murder Falcon and Wonder Woman Dead Earth, is, on a, great. is on a new book called Better A Bill for Marvel. It's a limited series, five issues. The Horse Thor, if you're wondering. Horse Thor. Um, what else? Bendis is moving to Justice League. He's okay. no longer on Superman, and that has a new writer, oh. Philip Kennedy Johnson, who's doing Superman and action comics. So a big shuffle up in D.C. right now. After Future State, we're going to see a lot of new things coming what's, out. Uh, what's DC. Philip Kennedy Johnson done before this? Oh, I think he did Low Road East and a bunch of other indie comics. Cool. So he's been um, fucking slam dunking it. 
This is a real business journal of an episode. Yeah, I know. Yeah, keep it coming. I love this. Well, this no, is like who the... got promoted? Who changed jobs? <laughs> <laughs> the water cooler on floor 11 did... has been uh, <laughs> out of order for six months now. It's being repaired at the D.C. offices. Greg, what should I do with my 401k? Uh, invest in waffles. <laughs> uh, Archie Comics Ooh. recently acquired a new hire to um, boost their Mighty Crusaders line, which is their version of superheroes. Do you know who it is? Like the person, the human being? The person who they hired on to help boost their sales. Uh, Was it Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas? No, it is Rob Liefeld. Wow, really? Archie Comics has signed on Rob Liefeld to help them launch their Mighty Crusaders line. I never would have guessed. I never would have dreamed in my wildest dreams that Archie would be that desperate to hire on Rob Liefeld to do something. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that a desperate move. That seems like a big money move. Just like an off-character move. Like, normally they're more in on writers who can do it silly. And I don't think of Rob Liefeld when I think of that. Like, when they had when they did the more serious Archie, mm-hmm. it was Mark Wade who can be silly. You know, mm-hmm. Jughead was Chip Zdarsky who can be silly. Kelly Thompson does Sabrina but can also be, like, fun or serious. Right. I think they're leaning more towards their afterlife with Archie and their other properties that are in the horror genre. So they're trying to lead more teen, I think, with this Mighty Crusaders and I Can't Draw Feet Rob Liefeld. Do you think he likes the field, the feet joke? I think he likes cashing the checks that people give him. (laughs) And the fact that we make fun that he can't draw feet just rolls off him like raindrops. I can't draw feet, so. I can't draw a lot of things, but I also don't get paid, so. I've never been paid. Uh, never, no, never once. I'm <laughs> never, a hobo. Never once been paid. Um, DC is going to launch a new Joker ongoing series in March. First reaction. What do you think of that? Seems like yes. That's what they would do. Are you on board for that? I've been drowning in Joker lately. What if I was to tell you the writer is James Tinian? Oh. That's cool. Is he going to stay on Batman? Yes. So they'll probably tie into each other. Yeah, this is a, the direct spill out from Joker War. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if it was going to be like its own storyline. Got it. It is. So it's like it's Joker being like hunted down by tons of people after the aftermath of Got Joker it. War. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. I just didn't know if the fact that James Tinian was writing it swayed you guys one way or another to pick it up or not. Yes. I'll read the first issue on this comic book podcast. You know what? I think we'll probably cover it on this <laughs> podcast if I'm being honest. I'm interested in that, I guess. I One thing I like that's going on with the Batman run right now is there's many tiers of characters who are like willing to kill somebody, like Batman not willing to kill Harley mm-hmm. Quinn, and kind of game that white, oh, uh, shielded looking guy. What is his name? I he can... wears genie pants. Yeah, he wears genie pants. <laughs> designer? <laughs> no, not designer. The rapper designer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> panda, 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 panda. And then uh, clown killer. Who's yeah. just like horny to kill somebody? So horny. And I would love to see like them go after Joker or just different Gothamites be like, we're sick of this. Like, that seems to be a heavy theme moving forward on like when it comes to a point where you have to break your rules about killing somebody. I mean, if Zack Snyder is going to have Batman drop an F bomb in the new Justice League movie, he can kill someone in the comic books for fuck's sake. Let's just, <laughs> you know, rip that band aid off, give Please. Batman a gun. Hashtag now. Give Batman back a gun. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's yeah. had okay. him before. <laughs> uh, 
Very true. Um, the interesting thing is in the back of these Joker issues, they're going to have shorter stories about Bluebird and Punchline written by James Tinian and Sam Jones with artwork by Mirka Andolfo. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Good. So that's great. We were really hoping that um, she was going to be back for more Punchline stories. And it looks like that we'll get small little vignettes, hopefully a larger series to come in 2021. Uh, this is the last bit of news. Boom Comics is releasing this new comic in March called Proctor Valley Road which is a joint venture with UCP, which is basically just like a TV publishing company that is now getting into comic books. This comic book is coming out before the show is being made later in 2022. So the show was being made, and now they've made a comic book to kind of like hype it up. Netflix tried this with Image. HBO Max has done it before, and like this is not a new thing that's happening now. We've been, we've been seeing this kind of trend going for the last three years. I think it almost never works. It almost never works. Grant Morrison is writing it. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, they got a pretty heavy hitter to write the comic, at least. I'm just... Yeah, the image books were written by Mark Millar, so... True. Oh, not, I mean, well, also a really heavy hitter. <laughs> not, to say that those, fucking anywhere. not to say those comic books weren't good. They just didn't serve to, like, promote the pieces. Well, in those scenarios, I don't think those have been made yet, though. They haven't. Those books came out real quick. Right. From one another. Like, it was... Yeah. Magic Order. Sharky the Bounty Hunter. Fucking other bullshit. It was like... Huck was one of the first ones. Huck. It was just like week after week was the new issue. And we're like, we're getting these too quickly, I think, to mm-hmm. like help amp us up about the show. Yeah. And like you're right. None of the shows have come out yet. I mean, when are they going to finally say this This isn't working? Yeah. I mean, if it like comes out right before the show and it gives you some exclusive thing and the comic book is just a standalone awesome, I think it would work. I'd like to see it work, I guess, is my take. I mean, are they trying to trick readers into saying like, buy these comic books for spec that the show is going to be good? Like, are they not counting on us doing the investigation of just like, oh, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? I think the only purpose it serves is that your general audience who knows they like comic book stuff, even if they don't read comic books, I'm a fan of things that have traditionally been adapted, Mm -hmm. are going to find this because, oh, it was a comic book show. So, so now I'm, like, into it. Yeah. I have an audience already. Yeah. So have you guys ever heard of this movie called Southland Tales? It has The Rock and Justin Timberlake in it. No. Is this coming out soon, or has it come uh, out? It came out, like, in the early 2000s. Was this the prequel to Trolls? <laughs> no, it uh, was made by Richard Kelly, the same director as Donnie Darko. Okay. Um, it is very weird, and it's actually one of The Rock's, like, first movies. I was going to say it have to be. That's that was kind of breaking my brain. This was around like the mummy. Right, exactly. It ends in this weird craziness and to actually get the ending, you have to have bought this like trade to like understand what happened and it's like famously like sold out. And it's just a trade. It's not valuable in its like condition. It just is like to even read it is a hundred dollars or or more and find out like what was the movie about. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. <laughs> It's I like a terrible it. marketing ploy. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work. I mean, thus you don't even know about the movie. So no. Um, yeah. What can I do to make this as inaccessible as possible? <laughs> yeah. Let's make this more convoluted. That's the, like uh, if you actually had to solve the math problems in Goodwill Hunting to understand the end of Goodwill Hunting. Janine Garofalo's in that movie, and uh, the guy from Rat Race. Do you guys remember the guy from Rat Race? Mr. Bean. You know the guy's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> could literally be anyone right now. 
<laughs> Give me the guy that puts gas in your car every morning. <laughs> Sorry. Great note to go out on. Right. That's all the news I had. So if you guys want to get the podcast started, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, let's get this podcast started. John Lovett, that's his name. Not famously known from Rat Race. Uh, hey. <laughs> By the way, pitch perfect John Lovett impression. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey. Ah, uh, hey, I'm John Lovett. Uh, so hey. many people are going to tweet at us and say, oh, he's thinking of John Lovett. <laughs> John Lovett. Leave it or love it. Alrighty. First up, we are covering King in Black, The Immortal Hulk, number one. If you're reading The Immortal Hulk... This, that's a series that's also going on. They had a new issue this week. This is a special event book wherein King in Black taking over the world. Lots of beastly, venom-looking, swirly characters are uh, everywhere, going to destroy the world. And Immortal Hulk is uh, caught in the mix. And it's Christmas time, baby. Hark hear the bells, hark hear the bells, hark hear the bells, hark hear the bells. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> oh, Talk about peaking. It's peak season, y'all. Budget King and I had a argument over the better cover today in the comic book shop. I got the B, you got the A. The A is the better cover? You liked it because Hulk is skinny and emo on the front of this one. Correct. He looks like a skater boy. This comic must have happened after the events of the last issue of Immortal Hulk. I'm assuming it tries to like work into the time frame, right? Because it it's like because it's what's going on in Immortal Hulk right now. It's relevant. Well, and it's a good thing because Al Ewing wrote this book. Yeah, and he's writing Immortal Hulk. Right. So I think he kind of knew what was happening. I'm sure he's getting more confused because he's writing 15 million books right now. Oh, so many. <laughs> we covered an Al Ewing book last week with Sword. Um, I do, I do need to make a quick disclaimer. If you guys pick up this book and you think you've got a faulty issue or something was wrong with your printing, it's it's okay. There are no words in this book. It is a silent issue. It is a silent night, if you will. I have read silent books before. I have never read a silent event tie-in book. I'm a little biased because I do like no words in my comic books. <laughs> yes, that is, that's the, your definitive nature. Um, People know I wear two pairs of underwear. People know you don't like reading. Reading period. Event tie-in should be fun and easy. Yes, and this was fun and easy. Yeah, oh, it th- was. This book is a one hundred percent thrill ride. I loved every moment of it. I think giant kudos to Aaron Cooter here. The artwork was the, ar- the artist. Yeah. It, what is there to say about a silent comic? Yeah. Book? That's. It, <laughs> well, what I was gonna say is that like halfway through, I kind of like forgot there's no words. Oh, I was kind of in the same boat to be honest. Because you're just, like, following the story, and you're like, oh, okay, here's the other thing about King in Black. It's a giant event, but it's an event done so well that it's like, they're a symbiote anywhere, and if it's big enough, then somebody has to fight it. So you're saying they don't have to, like, pretzel the storyline around in some uncomfortable way to get, like, Captain Marvel in here somehow. Right. Yeah. They're, they're just like, oh, little symbiote's over here, little symbiote's over there. Yeah. Oh, you want a dragon symbiote? Oh, you want a three-headed symbiote? You want a troll symbiote? You got it. Yep. yep. It's world domination, baby. So mm-hmm. everyone on planet Earth is on board to uh, kick but, some ass. So I love that that happened. It made it inconsequential to kind of King in Black. It was a fun story, but it doesn't really like determine whether or not 
the king. No, it's just a, a happening that was going on during the time of King and Black. And it's Christmas time, which I love. I was thinking about this the other day. If you make a Christmas movie and it's like actually good, that's amazing. <laughs> like it's if it's not because if What do you mean? <laughs> because like most Christmas movies don't stand on their own outside of the season. Really it's only like Die Hard and some people like Love Actually. And Gremlins. And Krampus. So we're talking about movies that the genre isn't Christmas movie. Yes, besides those movies we named. Yes. If the genre is Christmas movie, is there a movie that's like, I would actually watch that outside of the season of Christmas? Sure. I mean, I would watch Scrooge Okay. with Bill Murray. I mean, so I, I get your point that like Christmas movies are a little weak because they rely on the nostalgia of Christmas to people for people to like them and revere them. A Christmas Story is a bad movie, but it's a great movie. On Christmas Day. The thing about Christmas Story is it's a lot longer than you think. It is. And you it always is. you always remember one part of it mm-hmm. as, the, as the movie, and you forget that it's like kind of in three acts. I guarantee we're going to get heat for this, but I 100% agree with that take. Uh, the movie should end right after Ralphie eats food off his plate <laughs> like a pig. That's where the movie ends. That's the climax. Yeah, I like the, the soap eating, too. Did, here's a little uh, Christmas Story. So uh, trivia for so you. It's, it's Christmas time, so we can talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Did you know they made a sequel to that movie? <laughs> I did not. They did. It's set in the summertime. <laughs> the lamp has two legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does. It's two-legged lamp, and it uh, the mom collects plates. Christmas Vacation and Jingle All the Way are two examples of great Christmas movies that stand on their own. Why are we still doing this? <laughs> Every Christmas movie you've named has been good outside of being a Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the Hallmark bullshits. Those movies are just terrible to begin with. Okay, you know what? Let me backtrack. I don't think you can I, compare made-for-TV movies. Yeah, that are you know what? I, I was in giving. Two weeks. Hey, hey, Al. I was giving you a compliment that you made an amazing Christmas story book that I would read in the summer. But my friends, Greg and Mike D, they don't think it's that big of an accomplishment. So let, I'll take that away. I'm very sorry. The accomplishment here is a very touching and a, a thrilling book with no words. It relied heavily on Al Ewing giving... And you're not going to give him any extra points for being Christmas as well. It doesn't fucking matter. It could be in the middle of fucking yeah. June, this it could, book. It could be Groundhog Day. It could be the 4th of July. It just happened that it came out on Christmas. That's not a big deal. To no, me. no, no. It had like a Christmas feel to it. Why? Because snow? Because they're in a toy store and like... They have like all these Christmas references, and it ends with a. Uh, like, it, it it was trying to highlight that the Hulk is childlike, and he is like just reliving his childlike nature of toys and having fun. It was a great reminder for that. If you're trying to like onboard into the Hulk right now, it, it was nice to see the Savage Hulk, which is like what he is right now, reverted to, like base emotions if you read just that, like i'm really like a baby i'm really mad i'm laughing mm-hmm. and loving life yeah it does end with a charles dickens a christmas carol story i, I swear I, to I'm god i'm not like gonna read the quote i'm just telling you that like it's this is a very much a christmas book yeah and what we're saying is that you could have just replaced that quote with a quote about patriotism and made it a fourth of july a fourth book. of july book and the hulk it, is super jazzed about fireworks yeah right no, we we completely dis. Disagree. No, because the Hulk isn't reliving a Christmas memory or anything this revolving book, around Christmas. This book has a good Christmas feel to it. I, I'm gonna, I myself, I'm gonna pop this out Christmas Eve, alone and read it and have a nice Christmas themed time. Good luck. 
I don't need luck. I know. I know I how. I need luck. I have this Immortal <laughs> Hulk book. I know how good it's gonna be. This book was great. It was wonderful. You're gonna read all zero words of it. <laughs> I loved this book, and I had no reason to love it. This was like a, it is a sleeper week for comic books. This event could be convoluted. Um, there's a lot of story going into Immortal Hulk. It's silent. It's a Christmas story, which I know doesn't matter, but it is epically awesome on all accounts. I've just got a thing for silent comics. I think it's a real art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the G.I. Joe issue did it once with Snake Eye. Mark Wade and Chris Samney did the first issue of their Black Widow run. It's an amazing mm-hmm. comic that barely has any dialogue in it. I think Cullen Bunn did one. Uh, I forget what comic it's it was. It's a tribute to the to the G.I. Joe. Right, but, but I can't uh, remember. Was it uh, Six Gun? It's the Six Gun, yeah. yeah. It's the same issue number of it. It's a kind of a fun niche thing to collect. It is, and it's like it's, si- silent books. Yeah, yeah. It really Age shows of reptiles. Th- anyone? Oh my oh, god, yeah. that's like five <laughs> <Yeah>. issues. <laughs> so good. They're great, man. It, but that uh, doing a silent issue just shows the strength of the uh, the writer and the artist together. Yeah, like being able to like cohesively do that is is not an easy thing to do. I would like to see. Script notes. You know how they do yeah, director's I would, cuts? I was actually thinking about that. I was Because it's funny to say mm-hmm. Al Ewing wrote this. Yeah. just Even a, a sampling of pages of him explaining, like, yeah. what he wants to happen in it. I just wanted to be like, <laughs> she needed to Al Ewing directed this. Mm-hmm. They did director's cuts of the first few issues of Immortal Hulk. Yes, they did, yeah. And they were really interesting. A lot of the collected compendiums that I buy, too show some scripting and then the you know early panels next to it and it always does surprise me how much direction you get to aesthetics and facial expressions and all that stuff that's and maybe that's just certain writers like well famously brian k vaughn gives like little to no description is that right that's what he says i don't know if he's just like in panels he's just like very praiseworthy to his artists yeah but he's always like it's not me. It's the artist. Like, I, I don't give them much direction. Man, more cred to his art team than yeah, especially yeah, sure. Saga. <laughs> yeah, totally. So. I just bought uh, book two. Of Saga? Of Saga. Nice. When I, I say books, I'm meaning the, like, collected, fat, yeah. thick guys, yeah. I went ahead and just, just bought the, like, flimsy paper, all of it. Oh, really? There's an omnibus? Yeah. I didn't know that. How is that That's reading? a lot of issues, yeah. What? <laughs> it's like got to be pretty unruly, right? I mean, yes. How is it reading? Yeah. I basically had to read it um, in like one set, like one day. Because it's like, because you lose yeah. your place and stuff. Like, it was amazing, though. It was such a nice journey. Can I, can I say something? Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, like, just get a giant omnibus of like, that's like 50 issues collected into one. Uh, get it digitally. That thing on your shelf, you're not going to bring back down and reread. Like, if you're going to read it all in, like, one lump like that, get that shit digitally if you're not buying the singles. Yeah, I get that. Like, because Comixology will sell that omnibus for, like, whatever amount of money, and you have it all just, like, collected. But I like the feeling when I, like, it's so thinly made paper that I, like, rip it or it sticks together (laughs) or something. (laughs) <laughs> or I like read half of it and put it back on the shelf and I never read the rest of it. Uh-huh. Or like when it falls on my head. <laughs> I've been reading Outcast, the Kirkman book in the fat book volumes. And I just love the way they look on my shelf next to each other. Seeing like book one, two, three, four. That's that's true, but like you have one, two, three, four, 
So Bunch of King just has one like fat ass tone. Oh, so you don't have a problem with even the individual no, books it makes, or trades. No, because it makes for a better reading experience. Well, it's act- broken up and it's not like a giant pain in the ass to crack open and read. Well, since you're talking about me. It is really nice to lay in bed and just like do the guided it panel is. view on my phone. I actually have the hardback of all of them. And then I went ahead and bought this too. because I, wa- I wanted Christ. it all in Why? one place. I just was like, oh, I just want it all in one place. It's all in one place on your shelf already. Did you like spread I got it, them out across I got it, your house? I got it from Midtown for eleven dollars. Uh, I mean, I guess I can't argue with the price, but you're you're buying it all over again. And you could have brought it, bought it digitally. Can I say I'm a fan of Saga? <laughs> you can definitely say that. No one's gonna question your cred. <laughs> Next up, we have Post Americana by Steve Scrochi and Dave Stewart. This team is great. It's mostly Steve doing all of the writing and the artwork. He did Maestro. He did um, X-Man in the 90s. And then he did uh, that Brian K. Vaughn like, winter book. We Stand Guard. Yeah. Which was, I loved it. It was like a little mini, like four or six part series or something like that. And it was amazing. It's like Canada in a dystopian future or something. Yeah. 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 Yes. And so the his artwork is just like eye-poppingly good. But in a micro uh, description of it, there's a bubble of, uh, I guess, old American one percenters. And they're going to go try to destroy the rest of the world that is overrun by cannibals and bullshit. More or less, right? Yeah, blow America up and start fresh. And there's a lot more to this than just that. I mean, it's try it's hard to sum this book up in a couple sentences. Um, yeah, so like the uh, elite have lived inside this mountain uh, commune that protects them against like apocalyptic scenarios, which mm-hmm. has happened in this book. They got lemon orchards in there. They've they, got pickleball courts. They got birthday rooms, if you need those. Ugh, a room just for birthdays? Come on. What? These one percenters. <laughs> I reserve the birthday room for the 13th. Your party can't come in here. <laughs> My name's on the door. Ooh, let's keep going with this. I, I love, love this character. <laughs> Marjorie. It's my birthday. I'm 13. Marjorie, the one percenter bubble girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to the first issue club of verse. <laughs> so this comic book, if it were just that post-apocalyptic world, which we've read a lot of that kind of like stuff on this podcast since we've done stuff. Every five comics is post-apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's some like weird take on it. This book stands apart from all the rest of the wrecked future books because it is like a B-movie high off of methamphetamines dipped in bath salts, super bloody, very detailed. It's like... I love how gory it is. It is like tripling down on the madness. And like that's what sets it apart from books like Undiscovered Country. There's a complete lack of subtlety in everything everyone says. It's oh like, my God, no, yeah. No one's trying to hide anything. It's just like, here's my first and most honest thought. It's like Deliverance meets Waterworld. Waterworld. <laughs> or just Waterworld. <laughs> There's even this 
like give a whole page to this crazy cannibal i think his name is rudy who they let him even defend his cannibalism in a very like articulate astute logical way i was when i started reading that panel i was like oh he's still going (laughs) just just like a character that you're like obviously this guy's a support character Mm -hmm. i just didn't expect him to monologue that long and it so it made me laugh to just see like he's still talking wow yeah so i I read a ton of zine stuff that goes, like, nowhere. That's, like, hard to follow and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And those are fun to read, but you have to be acclimated to that. This walks the line of, like, going that, like, zany and weird, but keeping a very fine, funny, and interesting narrative. Like, that it doesn't quite dip into, like, complete alt-independent stuff. No, you're right. This is like if uh, David Lynch directed Mad Max. It is just off-center enough where it's going to keep people like us who are hyper into independent comic books and just the bizarre and people that need fucking structure. Yes. <laughs> and like a story. That's great. That's a great way to say it, Greg. This the structure is completely here to make this comic book great. I a problem that I had when I read this is I was like, "Oh, I definitely want to do number 2." Like I'm I'm so interested in this. Mm-hmm. When a comic book hits like right before Christmas and New Year's, I go into this time warp. And then I, like, have to come back and be like, yeah. if I wasn't picking it up three weeks prior to this, I'm like, oh, wait, what What did I want to do? And I, I really want to focus in and, like, not lose track of this book. Christmas and New Year's is very much summer vacation for comic book collectors because it's, like, a fucking free-for-all. Like, you're visiting family, you're, you know, you're, you're focused on other things, parties, whatever. And then comic books is just like, hi, we're still happening over here. <laughs> like, other stuff is coming out. Like, please come back. And you're right. You get kind of this fog. And you're like, I don't know what I was fucking reading. I'll just go pick up another Captain Marvel book. Right. Did you guys find who we were rooting for to be a reveal or anything? Or were you immediately like, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys? No. So that's one of the craziest fucking things about this book is they kill off one of the main characters like yeah. very quickly. I don't think anything's going to be held precious in it, this. In a like in a gruesome like surprising like <laughs> very funny way and then somebody who you think even when they're revealing themselves as a hero you still think they're a villain which is kind of crazy. This person massacres a whole like I like hundreds of people in in just two panels. Mm-hmm. Um which is amazing. Uh, and you still don't really know, like, this is definitely, that, that person's an anti-hero, the female protagonist here. Yeah. Yeah, she has her own interests. They kind of lead you in with this president of the United States giving a speech to, like, the sole survivors in the 1%. And I initially thought that we were rooting for America. Oh, did you? I did. And that they were, like, terrorists trying to, like, fuck shit up. It is So that was kind of a fun flip-flop. To later in the comic, you learn that this guy, like, appointed himself president and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. is just, like, a huge asshole. Timely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we're going to find out, much like real life, there are no heroes in this book. It's just a book about survival, which Look, is kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need uh, another book with commentary about the political nature of everything or, like, how shitty the future is going to be. Right. The the two characters on the cover, though, I like their dynamic because we've got one person who's a hired gun and the other person who grew up basically a servant of the 1%. His family survived because his dad was like an IT person. Mm-hmm. So they got to reap the benefits of the bubble without 
really reaping the benefits of the bubble. Yeah, the bubbles surfs. Right. The surf bubbles, <laughs> if you will. So one like amazing thing about uh, Steve's artwork is that it's so detailed and there's so many like weird hidden things in it. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see when they like land? They're in this rebel kind of trailer community that's essentially just like highly focused on debauchery or whatever. And there's two people writhing on the floor who look to be in some type of like sex contraption where it's like a thing is going up their butt and they also have it on the other side of their dick. Mm-hmm. And then they have like... Yeah, a, a VR fuck diaper. And it's like a throwaway like side of the panel. It's just like... This comic book's raw in all the best ways. This So do you guys remember the book Shell and Cowboy by Jeff yeah. Darrow? Oh, I was um, going to mention that book is almost silent. Well, it on, basically is silent until the later issues when he comes across a talking donkey. Uh, if you haven't checked out Shell and Cowboy, go find it. It's magnificent. This is kind of similar in the art style where it's just like hyper detailed and there is stuff to look at on every panel. There's always a joke. There's always some stylistic costume to look at. Like, it is a beautiful book. I think it's funny, too, that we keep saying the artwork's beautiful, but what you're looking at is very ugly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful in the sense of the skill to do, to do it is, like, unparalleled. So many little lines and details. But you do see someone get pecked to death by mutant chickens. <laughs> so, like, let's not... Like, everyone's gross and has, like, gnarly, yeah. like, fungus on their bodies. It's very, like, Toxic Avenger kind of brutality. Yeah, totally, totally. yeah. So, yeah, B-Movie was a good way to describe this. I loved this comic book. It's it's just wonderful in every way that I want it to be, so. I hope these two leads partner up and, and stick together. Like I mentioned before, the dynamic of the two of them is just going to be interesting with her kind of, like, I'm looking out for myself, his... Uh, mission and a goal for the greater good of humanity and those two things don't jive at all i i mean i think i think this comic book is gonna kind of devolve into a john wick she's even said that i'm gonna kill every single person in that bubble and she does a lot of killing in this comic book Mm -hmm. and if that's all this comic book does is it's just like a vessel for violence i'm like here for it too yeah totally i would love if these two work together and it's, I guess, a symbiotic relationship for a long time. And then it eventually gets to the point where it's like, okay, your goals no longer align with my goals. Mm-hmm. And now we're at odds. I think would be a sweet way to end it. Well, really, I think because she wants copies of the plans that he has. Right. So really all she needs him for is to get him transportation and then she gets a copy of that plans. Right. And then they can split. So something has to happen where... The club or the group that he's meeting up with is just like, hey, we'll hire you and give you whatever, and you can kill whoever you want. But we right. need you to help us kill. And that's the only way this, this woman stays in this story. So even if they do split, they could be on a collision course to like meet up at the end. Yeah. If she survives. Like we said, nothing is precious here, it seems. Or <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if someone just exploded in the next issue. Or, yeah, was yeah, you're right. Like, what if he dies mm-hmm. and now it's her job to deliver yeah. the plans? Like, right. this could go in any direction and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. I love books like this where your brain starts speculating. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always a sign of a good comic to me that I can't quite put together where it goes and I want to. And they, he didn't even have to write in the end, you're never going to expect <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen in um, in issue two. Mm-hmm. I came up with this them. idea 10 years ago when I was on Hiawaska. 
in a Applebee's in Georgia. And you not, you think you know where it's going. You think you do. I know it. I know you think you know where this is going, but guess what? Buckle in. You're in for a ride. That's how First Issue Club comes down from Viagra, is we read uh, <laughs> letters from the creator who are really pompous. Yep.